A lot of time, our, um, you know, when, when Adam fell, you know, he blamed his wife, right? God said, what, what did you do? He said, that woman you gave me. He just blamed everybody. If you hadn't given me that woman, I wouldn't be in this trouble. And I, I find that a lot of people, you know, they, they're into excuse making and shifting the blame. And uh, it, although it's comfortable for a minute when you blame it on your husband, on your wife, or the Democrats, or whoever you want to blame it on, your life, you know, white people, whatever. <laughs> Ultimately, when you do that, um, this is how losers behave. They, that's not how winners behave. Because when you make someone else the problem, you just lost control. Because you can't change anybody else. I know you would like to. I wish you had a magic wand. You'd go, boom, my husband is awesome. He was on the couch like a potato. But look at him now. Hey, look at that. He's mowing the grass. Is anybody thankful the grass isn't growing right now? Just praise them a little bit. And when it hit 29, we were like, yes, all the men are grass cutters. We're like, this is God's will for my life. Till March, forget about it. Anyway, what was I saying? It's easy to blame other people, but when it, it might be hard for you to say, you know what, it's my fault. Some people, they, it crushes them to think that it's their fault. But you think it's bad news when you say it's my fault, but in fact it's good news because you are not out of control. Because if it's your fault, then you can fix it. Because the only thing you can fix is you. You're not really going to be able to fix anybody else. So if you change, everything changes. Say it with me. Say, when I change, everything changes. And generally speaking, when God wants to change your life, he changes you and you change your life. I know we want God to just do a miracle and everything about our life changes. But the, the way God operates with us, he would much rather give us, uh, would teach us how to fish than give us a fish. He wants to teach you, hey, stop doing this and you'll get that. He wants to make you an, a, a, a descendant, not a dependent. He wants you to learn. And so to be, help people learn, they have to start by saying, you know what, it's me. But that's the power of the blood of Jesus in a way because, uh, you know, when we take communion, and we will in a minute, when you receive that cracker, the body of Jesus, and when you receive that blood, it's Jesus inside of you because we all know what the problem is. The problem is not around you. The problem is inside you. All your problems are inside of you. And you can, you can fix all that by getting Jesus inside of you, getting more Jesus. And that's what the essence of communion is. It's receiving the nature of Jesus, his word, his truth, his nature inside of us. And when we uh, change, everything begins to change. Y'all remember Popeye? Who remembers Popeye? <laughs> I was always praying that spinach would pop out, you know, because he was getting all beat up. He was just brute. Was it Bluto? Bluto Brut who was that? Brutus, y'all know. Some of y'all still watch. <laughs> it was, Brutus represents the devil, and he just puts a whipping on you, and he's stealing olive oil. Y'all know who olive oil is. Uh, until, until he hits that, uh, that spinach. Well, for us, that's communion. Until you get that, and then it's like, bam, bam. But, uh, like a, I think it was a ship that showed up on his arm with guns shooting out. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a great lesson, though. You know what? You don't need to change Brutus. God needs to change you. And if you change, all those problems are small things when you understand that you're not out of control. Your life is not out of control. It's just God in you wanting to speak to you the answer. And he's, he's trying to get the answer to you. And when you understand that that's where it is, this all between you and God, that you and God are a majority. 
and nobody else has the power to run your life or change your life or ruin your life, not your ex, not your, you know, whoever you're dealing with right now, not your kids. Nobody has the power to ruin your life. Your life is between you and Jesus. And he said, I came to give you an abundant life. How many of you ready for that abundant life? Me too, me too. And I'm so thankful that's what Jesus paid for. So we've been talking about the seven times that Jesus shed blood. And that each one of them speaks to us. Now we know that the blood of Jesus was shed to pay for our sins so that we could spend eternity with him for our salvation. Is anybody happy about that? That you don't have to pay for your own sin, but Jesus on the cross paid for it. And we have a covenant because of our faith. He wipes away our sin and we enter into eternity by faith. But how many know there's a long distance between now and when you get to go to heaven? (laughs) And that distance is called purpose. That distance is called destiny. That distance is what you are supposed to accomplish on earth. And the blood of Jesus also speaks to that. Not just to your eternity, but the blood of Jesus. In the time, when we look at the seven different times he shed blood, we can see what God did to equip us to have our purpose in life. So uh, let me see if we can go through them real quick. I've only gone two, but the first one is the blood of faithfulness in the garden. Remember where Jesus said, not what I want, but what you want. And blood fell down. And, uh, of course, that was the opposite of what Adam said, which was not what you want, but what I want. So, God, uh, we all understand that our success in life has to do with faithfulness. Whatever you're faithful to, you're successful in, period. I don't care what it is. Being faithful in school, being faithful in business, being faithful with your marriage, being faithful with your yard, whatever it is. (laughs) Whatever you're faithful to, you're successful in. Whatever you're unfaithful to, you're unsuccessful in. So God starts it by curing our biggest issue. The first time Jesus' blood was to deal with that part of us that opposes ourselves. And then the second thing we talked about was the blood from the crown of Jesus. And that blood, of course, when God, uh, when, when Adam sinned, God said, cursed is the ground for your sake he said it's going to bring forth thorns and thistles so we found out that the sign of God's curse on man's livelihood his work his ability to make a living and to to be comfortable in life that came under a curse because of the fall of Adam and the sign of the fall was thorns and when Jesus, when those Romans put those thorns on Jesus, they had no idea they were operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when that blood hit the ground, that curse was broken. And the curse sounded like this. Everything that you do, you're going to struggle. You're going to scratch and just barely make ends meet. You're not going to have abundance. You're going to have just barely enough. And then you're going to get so tired you die. Well, a lot of people still live under that curse, but it was never what God wanted because that blood is speaking that you're no longer under that curse of barely getting by. That blood, every single drop of the blood of Jesus has a voice and it all speaks to our life. And when that blood gets inside of us, we say, I might be down, but I'm not out because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Are you with me? Because that his nature of not quitting, of conquering, that gets inside of us, not settling, that gets inside of us, and it causes us to be conquerors. Actually, I just want to, that's the first two. You know, the five other ones must be awesome, right? Well, just hold on. It might take a couple of months to get there. But, but I want you to, you know, I heard someone say, there's some great teacher friends of mine here today, but, but they say the, the, the teacher hasn't taught till the student has learned. It's not enough for me to just transmit information. I want you to get it so that you have a mastery of the subject so that you can actually conquer in life. And this is so important 
the blood from the crown of Jesus and how it affects our lives. Now we learn in the Old Testament the blood was applied. And that's an important thing that was never canceled. That the blood of Jesus, it was, it's, the Bible calls it the everlasting covenant. So that we can apply this blood of conquest over our children, over our business, over all the work of our hands. And that's a powerful thing, that we can apply that influence of conquest. So that we live in the atmosphere of conquest, not of despair and struggle. That your home is the atmosphere of success. Your business is the atmosphere of conquest. That you never come under, you're always triumphing because there's something super buoyant inside of you called the blood of Jesus. But in the New Testament, Jesus said, drink this blood. Now, as you know, in Leviticus, it says the life of something is in its blood. And Jews are prohibited to drink blood. That's why they all left Jesus when Jesus said, you have to drink my blood. But he said, this is a spiritual thing. That you, because the nature, like the Bible says in the Old Testament, the nature of something is in its blood. For example, if, you know, some of you think your husband's been drinking cow blood because he's full of bull. You get the idea. That, that the idea was you don't want to drink chicken blood because you get a chicken nature in you. So the idea, they, the Jews still wash off all the blood because they don't want to get that in them. Right? So they, they, they're still very methodical in cleaning their, the blood because they don't eat blood. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I want to get this nature in you. That was the whole idea of Leviticus because you, at one point you would be drinking the blood because, in fact, your problem is in the blood. Adam fell and failure was in your blood. Unfaithfulness was in your blood. Struggle was in your blood. And the only way to fix your blood was to drink some other blood. And when we have communion, the picture is this. The blood of Jesus touches your blood and begins to transform your nature. See, this is a gift from God. This is not something you work up and try to do better. This is something that you start not wanting to do those things that goof you up. And you start being leaning toward those things that make you a success. God does that for you. Is anybody happy about it? You just receive that. You don't develop it or cultivate it. You just receive it because it's in your nature. You're constantly leaning toward God's blessing and God's success and God's purpose, and you're constantly leaning away from those old ways of failure, right? I told you many times I was a policeman. People say I wasn't drinking. I get a drop of their blood. I'll find out if you were drinking or not because whatever you were drinking got into your blood, right? Because that's, the, that's why we drink the blood of Jesus because God wants the nature of Jesus to touch your nature and cancel all that garbage that you've been struggling with. Are you with me? Now, you know, I've said it a bunch of times, but I want you to get it. You know, the Bible says that we were purchased with the blood of Jesus. Do you know what that means? It means that in the spirit realm, there is a, a currency, and it's called revelation about the blood of Jesus. He bought us. He purchased us. It means that if you want something from the spirit realm, from the, from the, from the promises of God, if you want something, you got to understand that you don't get it because you beg God. You get it because you have a revelation that it was bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Do you believe that? They're yes to you, not because you're a great person. Yes to you because of what Jesus did. Because he made you worthy. He made you righteous. He made you able to receive what God said you could have. It's, the, it's a huge, wonderful revelation. The more you know about what Jesus did, the more your bank account to purchase in the Spirit has to do, has, is effective toward the Word of God. So, okay, are you with me? 
So uh, that's a brief review. I want to talk to you a little bit about reigning in life, about this crown. Romans 5, verse 17 to 19. I love this. This is the um, uh, Passion Translation. Death <clears throat> once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, talking about Adam, death reigned as king over humanity. But now how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue, that means gift, continue reigning, say it with me, reigning as kings in life. Say that with me one time, reigning as kings in life. That means you're not the undergoer, you're the overcomer. Look at somebody say, I'm reigning in life. It, it, it uses a, a, this means the authority of a king is on you, so you are not going through life, you are reigning in life. Just say it like you, even if you don't really believe it that much, just say it. Say, I'm reigning in life. You know what I mean? Just look out your yard and think, it doesn't look like I'm reigning, even in my own yard. But you know what? God's going to cause you to reign in every area of your life. Because you've got a king inside of you. You've got royal blood inside of you. And it's causing you to reign in life. I don't care what's pressing down. I don't care what's coming against you. You've got something royal inside of you. Not because of what Adam did, but because of what Jesus did. Let's keep reading. It says, held the grip of grace, continue reigning as kings in life. Enjoying our regal freedom through the perfect gift of righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. It's God's purpose and will for us to reign in every situation in life. The next verse says, I don't know if it's up there. In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, that's Adam. So through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to all. It's available. God's not forcing it on you, but it's available to you right now. Now, to understand the picture of reigning in life, you have to look at before the fall when um, Adam and Eve were living there. God made this perfect place. This perfect place represents the perfect will of God. So in essence, when they sinned, everything got messed up because they were under a curse. But when Jesus' blood was shed, then that original picture begins to make sense. Because you just look at the life that Adam and Eve have, and that's the life that God wants for you. That was the life of blessing that once came under the curse, but because of Jesus, it, you came back to live in this place called the garden. Now, and you know, if you, it's, it's great because garden is such a, uh, a word that has such imagery to it, right? It, you can just imagine the garden. Like every time I think about it, I think of Gilligan's Island. How, how many of you do that? Just me, okay. Forget I asked. But I always think of Gilligan's Island with a lagoon and, you know, the trees. I always think of the garden being like Gilligan's Island. But in fact, it was a, just a wonderful, perfect, beautiful place where man had a great purpose to multiply. He had work to do. He had, you know, he had day-to-day -day tasks to do. And you understand that he was the king of that world. God blessed him and said, take dominion over everything. God made Adam the king. And so he reigned as king, just like you, over his garden and over his area. He was king. So you can imagine that. 
Now, when the curse is broken, write these three things down. There are three things that mark this perfect thing, this perfect relationship. One, relationship with the king. He had relationship with the king. Number two, blessing on all the work of his hands. And number three, wisdom in decision making. Doesn't take much to get you reigning. But these three things are critical, and I'm just going to take a couple more minutes before we have communion, and I want to just look at the first one and say a relationship with the king. Your greatest advantage in life is that you, the, the Bible says that the veil that stood between man and the presence of God, when Jesus died, that veil that was six or eight inches thick was ripped from the top to the bottom. And God opened up a new and a living way so that we can once again live in the presence of God. This is returning to that garden. And the best thing about the garden is God was there. They live in the presence of God. Now, if you have your Bible, look at Genesis 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Let's just stop right there for just one second. What you can infer from this is that God made a visit in the cool of the day. They heard his voice in the cool of the day. And you, you, you can imply or you can see in this that God did not just leave them to themselves, that God had an appointment in the cool of the day. Now, all of us in Louisiana, we know what cool of the day is. Cool of the day is the morning and the evening, isn't it? It's cool in the morning. You've got to get that work done in the morning, and you can do it late in the afternoon. So the cool of the day in that part of the world was in the morning and the evening. So you can see that this relationship was extremely important in that God gave Adam holy bookends to his day. And the truth, lots of business people say this, if you can succeed in a day, you can succeed in life. You don't fail over a lifetime, you fail in a day. What you do today is your success. And so God gave Adam something very important by putting holy bookends and saying, you're going to start it with me and you're going to end it with me. There's a great book called 18 Minutes. It talks about, uh, it's a business book, but it talks about taking five minutes in the morning or so and, and planning what you need to do, stopping in the middle of the day and making sure that you're not being distracted, and at the end of the day, taking five minutes and say, did I get it done? Well, you know, God was doing that with Adam way ahead of time before they wrote that 18 Minutes book. Because the idea is if at the beginning of the day, if you walk with the king at the beginning of the day, you're liable to reign. And even if you mess up, if you got the king at the end of the day, you're going you're gonna to be on track tomorrow. So when God established this relationship in the cool of the day, it was this life-giving, casual walking with the king. How many of you know it's much easier to reign when you're walking with the king? Now here's where everybody in the room starts getting a guilt trip, like, I know, I don't pray enough. That's what you're saying. I get it. I get it, Pastor Ray. You're right. I'm the idiot. You're wrong. You're right. You know, automatically people start thinking, that's where I'm messing up. Listen, guilt never did anybody any good, neither did feeling ashamed of yourself. I'm not talking about being ashamed. I'm talking about a privilege that you're missing out on. That if you could be mentored by the king of kings, it, it not just come to church once a week, but if you could get up in the morning and say, I'm going to be with the king of kings and we're going to plan my day. And at the end of the day, before I go to sleep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little walk again with the king of kings and he's going to tell me how, to, how did I do and how are we going to do tomorrow. Wouldn't that be a great thing? Well, this is what it means to be in the perfect plan of God. Take advantage of your mentoring opportunity. 
to walk with the king. And you can imagine in the cool of the day, you can imagine what was God and Adam talking about. Well, I imagine, you know, it doesn't take a, too much of a stretch that God is walking with Adam and saying, hey, man, what are we going to do today? Because I know how every man is and woman. Like Diane is always doing her Bible study in the morning. I always get my cup of coffee when I get because she's earlier than me. I get my cup of coffee and I go and invade her space. <laughs> and I take about five minutes and I, before I do my Bible study. I take about five minutes and I say, okay, what are we going to do today? And it's, I, I, I've grown to treasure that because I, I want us to get on the same page with God so that we can do good that day. Because every day is important. You don't have that many. And so here's what God would do. You know, I'm just going to imagine that this great life that God bought with the blood of Jesus, it's not just a magic trick where everything gets blessed. It's where God walks with you and says, okay, let's talk about that job you're trying to get. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how to get it. Let me tell you what, or he's going to say, let me tell you about that thing you're about to buy. Let me talk to you about that for a minute. Well, let me tell you about that decision you're about to make. And some people can't even imagine a relationship with God like that. And then the end of the day, God would say, okay, let's talk about, man, that was, you goofed up on that. And you're like, yeah, I know. Well, don't do that tomorrow. Do this. And see, this right here is what grace looks like. It's not ignoring God and crossing your fingers and hoping that things work out. Grace is accessing the gift of God because God wants to walk with you and talk with you. And many of you, you don't believe that that could happen because you tried it and you didn't hear anything. And you think, well, you know, that's just a fairy tale. It doesn't happen. No, it's true. But it has to do with the way you think. When you think you're disqualified because you're not spiritual enough, you're not holy enough, you're not righteous enough, you've messed up so much. When you cut yourself off, you can't hear the voice of God. It's not that God isn't speaking. You're not hearing. You remember what Jesus said to him who has ears to hear, let him hear. There are a lot of people God is speaking to, but they don't have any ears. Why? Because they don't take time to listen. God just wants to walk with you. Don't make it religious. I mean, there's some ways you can turn on some worship. There's some things you can do. For me, I like to walk because I'm, I'm too fidgety to sit down and pray. I like to move. I, I, I will sit down some, but if I really want to hear from God, I got to walk. I got to burn off some energy because I know that God wants to speak to me. And I understand that that relationship is not dependent on how perfect I've been or mistake-free. I know he wants to speak kingly advice into my life. He's a winner. He wants me to win. He loves me. I'm his son regardless of whatever. I'm still his son, and he wants to talk to me about how to win, and you're his daughter. Now, be careful. Don't feel guilty because guilty doesn't do anything for you. Does it change you? Being ashamed doesn't change you. Feeling bad doesn't change you. Being happy that you have an opportunity that you may not have access yet. But God is waiting for you. Let's keep reading. Are you okay? All right. I'm okay. I'm liking this. Right, here, here we go. In the, in the cool, go back to Genesis. In the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Ah, oh, here we go. This is where most people live. When you're under the curse, you're hiding yourself. God is not hiding from you. You're hiding from God. Now, now I want you to understand, how, look, look how um, man started to struggle in making a living right about the time he stopped spending time with God. You think that's a mistake? You think it's just a, no, it's a revelation that the, the, the blessing on man's life was connected to his walking with the king and telling, getting wisdom and saying, don't do this, try that. 
this voice that, that, that the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you, you got to give us a, a moment. Now, he can speak to you all through the day. You can have the cool of the day moment. But I'm just trying to get your mind renewed that you are not so unspiritual that you can't hear from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because God is speaking to all of you. But if you're like this, guys, in, in, the, in Genesis, once they come under the curse, they were hiding out. And look what God said. And the Lord called Adam, one of the saddest phrases in the Bible. I love this phrase. And the Lord God called Adam and said, where are you? Hey, you know God knew where they were. You know they weren't actually hiding from God. I, he didn't know where they were. He does know where you are. But if you're listening to, for the voice of God today, this is what God is saying to most of you. Where are you? are you man? I want to help you with those kids but you're just goofing up you just keep making one dumb decision after the other you think it's gonna get better God's like where, where are you man because people when they feel guilty and they're far from God and they they feel ashamed well, well let's just read it what does it say so he said I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself well, well, there you go. Most people, it's like the police show up and, you know, like you're going down the road 85 miles an hour and you see a policeman. No, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy because I've been speeding. And you just drive by praying in tongues like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that's, they felt like they were caught by God. He showed up right in the middle after they messed up. They had that shame on them. They had that embarrassment on them. They had that distance, that dirty feeling, and they're like, ah, I ain't going to get with God. They avoided it. How many people, this is their experience with God. They're not succeeding in life because they see the presence of God as a bummer. They see the presence of God as a correction coming. They see the presence of God as somebody that's going to criticize them. Well, the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, not God. Jesus is the advocate. He's your defense attorney. He's looking at you. He's going before the Father and said, look, I know they messed up, but you know what? He's a good guy. And I can tell you what, he's got a heart for you, and he's going to do great things. God, don't give up on him. Satan's saying, oh, just get rid of him. He's a, you know, he's a creep. He's terrible. And that's Satan's line. But some people, they in their voice think that God is so disappointed in them that they just say, I can't do it. And you know what? You're missing out. You're missing out on God's input into your life. Because he still loves you. He still believes in you. He still believes in what you can be. He believes in what you can do. He is not concerned about what you did or didn't do. He's concerned about what you're going to be. He still wants to invest in your life. He still wants you to be great. He still wants you to conquer. He's never going to give up on you because love can't quit. say well God knows me he does he knows the best part of you if anybody ever have been any parents wave your hand if you're a parent well you know what your kids can goof up but you don't see yeah you're aggravated for a second and then you're like but I look I still believe in that little guy 
and you'll give your kids as many chances as they need because you love them. Love is not something that just says, I'm writing you off, I'm giving up on you. That's not the way. God is love. And God can never look at you that way in spite of your mistakes. God is not looking at your mistakes. He's looking at what you're going to be. And he's saying, where are you? Come on, man. Don't let the enemy drive you away. He's telling you that I'm all angry and upset, and I'm not. I just want to help you like any parent would. And he's the ultimate. You got that instinct from your father, the king. And it's important. If you have notes, write this down. I'm, I'm getting ready. To, we're going to have communion. The plan, point number one, to plan and evaluate with the king is the secret of our success in life. This is point number one. I want you to receive it in your spirit. To plan these bookends, plan and evaluate with the king is the secret to your success in life. He's got bigger dreams than you have for you. He's got bigger ideas than you have. You've got to hook up with the king and start thinking like, a, like someone who's reigning in this life. Point number two, I'm going to finish. To neglect this privilege is to live without wisdom, direction, and confidence. To neglect the privilege of the cool of the day and say, what are we going to do? And then at the end of the day, say, how do we do? You neglect that, then you're missing out on wisdom and confidence and all the abundance that God planned for you. Football. I heard uh, Sean Payton. I know you know I'm a fanatic. But football... I heard Drew Brees say this week that winning the game of football is all about confidence. And I thought, you know what? It's true about life. It's true about romance. It's true about just about everything. It's not that you can do it. It's that you believe you can do it. You can do a lot more than you think you can do, but you're just too scared. The Bible says the Lord is our strong confidence. And when you've been with the king and he's put his arm around you and he says, I don't care what anybody else thinks, I still believe in you. Man, you just became something different. When you get that monkey of guilt and shame off your back and you remember that God loves you and that God's for you, and if God is for you, who can be against you? And you begin to see your life different. You begin to see your opportunities different. You just change the game. The blood of Jesus paid for that. You just have to receive it. Jesus referred to his close personal relationship with the king as the key to all that he did and accomplished. I'm going to read this, and we'll see, I'll give you one more point, then we're going to pray. We'll have communion. John 5, 7, verse 17. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Jesus is saying, look, I walk in the cool of the day with my father, the king. And I only do what he tells me to do. And I'm awesome because he's awesome. Jesus demonstrated that this was a relationship that you could have. That he would show you the great things that you're going to do, not survival, but the conquest that he's given you in your life. Jesus lived that way to show us that you can live that way. This relationship is guaranteed by the blood of Jesus. 
Now listen to this closely as we get ready to receive communion. The crown of thorns was placed on the head of Jesus, indicating that success and life and purpose is related to the head and the way we think. Your success is not about the color of your skin. It's not about your opportunities. It's about the way you think. And if God can change the way you think, God can change everything about your life. And I'm giving you the final point. Point number three. Hearing the voice of the king is established by right thinking. Faith is right thinking. Hearing the voice of the king. Let me just give you uh, a tip. Just write this down. You know, when we want to get our favorite program, we, we go to that channel that it's on, right? We, we turn to that channel. We know that, whatever, happy days. We know happy days is on that channel at 7 o'clock. You want to get on God's channel? Let me tell you what the channel is. I love you. You got to dial in. You've got to dial in that God is emotional about you. He loves you. He thinks you're awesome. He thinks you're going to do great things. He knows you made mistakes, but that's not bigger than how he feels about you. You've got to tune in and stop feeling shamed, stop feeling guilty, stop feeling unworthy, and just say, you know what? I've got to tune in to the He Loves Me channel. And you got to hear, you can't hear this word from God. You can't hear any other word. You've got to hear this word that says, look, I love you. I love you. You'll never be struggling in front of me because I'm your believer. I'm your cheerleader. I'm behind you. I'm never going to call right, wrong, and wrong, right? But I'm always going to tell you that I'm with you and I'm behind you no matter what. Now that's when you want to get to be in the presence of God. You need to change your thinking. And here's what I wanted you to know this whole message is this. When we receive the blood from the crown of Jesus, it begins to absorb that old shameful defeated, embarrassed nature of Adam. It begins to cancel every curse that was in our head, curse of thinking. Your daddy thought like a failure, your granddaddy thought like a failure, and now you find yourself thinking and acting just like them. Your grandfather acted like a drug addict, your father acted like a drug addict, and now you're thinking just like them. Listen, the blood of Jesus is the only cure for that that can break that curse to say, you know what, you're going to stop thinking like you can't do it, that you can't think, that you can't learn, that you can't conquer, that you can't overcome, that you can't have nice things. You're going to get rid of that, and you're going to have to get the nature of Jesus inside of you. And the best part about it is you just receive it. This little cup, the blood of Jesus, has conquest in it. You're about to receive the nature of a champion. And you're going to stop feeling like you're not worthy and you don't deserve it and you can't have it and you're going to all that's about to be absorbed all you got to do today is release your faith you're about to receive the nature of Jesus in your life and you're going to start thinking different here's what's going to happen you're going to start saying you know what honey I'm going I'm to just go take a walk I, I just need to be with God and your wife's going to after she passes out <laughs> when she comes to she's going to say what and, uh, and you're going to say, you know, I know it's not like me, but like Pastor Ray said, I believe God wants to speak to me, and I just want to make myself available. I'm just going to have my cool of the day walk. And you're going to walk with God, and the first thing you're going to hear is, hey, son, I love you. So happy to see you.
because the blood of Jesus cleared all the air between you and God. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. You can now run into the, the arms of Jesus through a new and living way. He took care of all of your mistakes and faults and failures. And you can come right into his presence and say, Dad, here I am. He's going to say, oh, here's, here's what we need to do, man. And you know, maybe the first couple of days, you know, you, it might just be walking and just thinking. But you know what's going to happen? If you don't try something, but you actually do it. You say, you know what? I'm just going to take a walk with God. I'm just speaking to men, but women as well. You take, well, you know what's going to happen? One day, bam, God's going to start downloading. Here's what you do. Here's how you do it. Here's who you need to call. Bam, boom, 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 boom. And you're going to write that down because this is how the wisdom of God works. This is how God speaks. He might just want to be with you and you just worship him. But at some point, he's going to say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And to meet with me every day, I'm going to keep you on track. And he's going to change the level of blessing on your life. Do you believe that? Now, I know some of you say, I'm not like that. Okay. Nobody's like that because until they get impacted with the blood of Jesus and they start seeing the great opportunity that's in the blood of Jesus.